to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative to this guy for wisdom. Well, we've got breaking news here. Uh, a, a, a metal manufacturing plant 70 miles north of East Palestine, Ohio, uh, blew up, exploded. They heard two explosions. I've got the breaking story here. I mean, it's, it's, it's breaking now. Um, this is the information that we have. Uh, this is from Daily Mail, Melissa Koenig writing, Mass casualty incident is what they're calling it, reported following explosion at metal manufacturing plant in Bedford, Ohio. And of course, this comes two weeks after the absolute disaster, a toxic train in East Palestine derailed. And Biden, of course, is is nowhere to be seen. He's over in uh, East Europe. Uh, He was just on his knees in Kiev, and now he's on his knees in uh, Poland, I imagine. Uh, And Kamala Harris has never been more jealous in her life. Um, You know... I, I just want to report what, what's happening here. Multiple people are injured. I mean, I, I bet it's a lot of people. I, I saw videos of this, uh, footage thus far, photos taken, and it looks like a terrorist attack. It looks like an active terror. I mean, look, I understand. I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, um, uh, you know, Al Zawahiri's, um, you know, uh, inheritor there in Al-Qaeda was on the ground with a bomb vest. But I am saying you look at this picture and it's unbelievable. The entire wall, the brick wall is blown out. Uh, Helicopters have been viewed on the scene coming and going, ambulances. And, um, you know, pray for for these these people and their families. Um, uh, This this is unbelievable. And and the question, of course, that I have, and Captain and I were talking about this before the show, is this. I mean, how many coincidences uh, does it take before it's, it's no longer a coincidence? And, and and Captain was was enlightening me. He is a an Air Force veteran. He's a pilot still, um, outside of the Air Force now. And, and in in the military, you would call this intel. You'd be gathering intel. I mean, if you look at what's going on across this nation with all of these instances that are are having direct effects on shortages, uh, whether it's eggs and chickens. Now you have a manufacturing plant. Which, of course, I mean, look, they, they did, I think, brass um, w- w- was one of the elements, you know, metals they worked with there. But, I mean, this is releasing toxins into the air as well. And, you know, more lives are lost. And, and, and I just, I just, it's astonishing to me. The point I, that I keep thinking of is if you're a journalist out there, and, you know, by definition, a journalist is supposed to be inquisitive, is supposed to be asking questions, is supposed to be getting to the bottom of things and bringing information to the public and enlightening them. Well, I mean, what a, a, a year, what, what a, an, an incredible, you know, two plus years for journalists in this country to thrive, to actually get to do their jobs, right? I mean, I say this all the time, and I, and I really... It's not something I celebrate, but as somebody who does this podcast and other people out there doing the same thing, I mean, it is a great time to be a a podcast host or radio host in this country because there's no shortage of very real, relevant information and stories to cover, especially if you're a patriot and your show like this one, you know, revolves around 
trying to enlighten the people, trying trying to 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 help people understand the well the the evil that is this administration and explain what the Democratic Party's all about and even what these rhinos are all about and to, to try and get people who aren't taught American history, constitutionalism, patriotism in school to get that here. And, and so here we have journalists nowhere to be found. So like I said, this this explosion happened just about 70 miles northwest of East Palestine. And witnesses told Local News 5 that there were two explosions, a small one followed by a larger one around 2.30 p.m. I guess that's Eastern time there. The brick wall of the building was completely blown away with bricks hitting cars and businesses nearby. I mean, this is a heck of an explosion. That is throwing off debris that's hitting buildings across the street and cars, decimating them. I mean, this is something you'd see in a war zone. And of course, what we want to know is, is this. Is America under attack? I mean, we, we know that we're under attack by the Biden administration, by the FBI, by the EPA, by every lever and instrument that the federal government possesses, the IRS. We, the people, are under attack. But when you factor in this as well, you have to scratch your head and say, now, are we physically under attack? I, I, just, I just can't comprehend that this could be some coincidence that 70 miles northwest of Palestine, two weeks after this train derailment, you have this other thing going on. And I, I don't want to slip into the, the rut of calling everything a distraction, because I, I think that just dismiss things or even we focus our attention on things and we just say, well, this is just a, another distraction from the previous you know, tragedy, the previous disaster debacle. Yeah, if you've got the photo, Captain, I mean, if you can do it on the share screen, pull it up or however you want to do it. You know, I mean, see if you can find that photo. I saw a photo, maybe Daily Mail posted or, or, or something like that that showed the, the brick wall. Yeah, you've got it. Pull it up. And look, you know, today, today's President's Day, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about President's Day because I think it's so apropos. It's so fitting. It's such a perfect encapsulation of this administration and their antipathy toward the American citizen and this country. Complete neglect of duty complete violation of their constitutional oath, you know, to defend and uphold the Constitution. The American people are zeros under this administration. It's beyond America last. Uh, America is not even a blip on the radar, radar screen of concerns for this administration. And rhinos as well, the Lindsey Grahams, the Mitch McConnells, they, they, they just have turned their backs on America. And I, I do want to spend a moment talking about President's Day. Uh, there's a lesson to be gleaned from what's happened to that holiday and how it coincides with the downward trajectory of this nation that took place in the 1960s, which we have yet to recover from. But, you know, I've seen, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene is back in the news. Uh, the left is attacking her, you know, essentially likening her to an insurrectionist and so on and so forth, like they always do. Because she's brought up again the concept of a national divorce. Red states living in 
peace, left to implement policies that will benefit their lives and keep them safe and happy and American, and having blue states on their own to, well, experience the misery that their policies create themselves without that bleeding over and affecting those of us who are sane Americans who actually have a concept of what it means to be an American and what success looks like, what opportunity looks like. Um, and and I, I just have to laugh. The, the same, these same Democrats, the same Democrats who, when Trump was elected president, said that, you know, they wanted their various states to secede from the union, that they wanted to move out of the country. They never followed through, of course, because they're full of crap. And I've got a clip to play for you later of Bernie Sanders, just your typical socialist, Marxist, communist lib out there uh, who, who is just full of crap, full of crap, uh, wants to punish us and destroy us. But when it comes to his bank account, he doesn't want to abide by the same rules. He doesn't want to suffer himself. But, you know, I see, I see them out there, you know, assaulting uh, verbally Marjorie Taylor Greene over this. And, you know, I, look, honestly, if it were possible, it would be a wonderful thing. I really, I wish that uh, we Americans who actually work for a living, contribute, create jobs, mind your own business, contribute to making this country the greatest country in the history of mankind. I wish we could be left alone to do our job, which is to improve everyone's lives across the board. But I'll tell you why the national divorce scenario is actually never going to, to work, why it's, why it's impossible. It's because the left would never allow it to happen, because the left is not content to ruin and destroy their own fiefdoms. The left insists that all Americans and all 50 states be subject to the same misery that they subject themselves to. That's why a national divorce is never possible. You think the left is going to let people in Florida? I mean, look, look at Florida. People are moving to Florida, flocking to Florida. They have a great governor, DeSantis. He's fighting back against the left. It's become a bright red state. People are happy. They're prospering well above the rest of the nation, especially blue states, blue cities out there. It is a, a, a blueprint and a roadmap to conservative success. Not just, not just superficial success that we talk about and wax eloquent about, but actual palpable success, palpable enjoyment. They are reaping the benefits of active conservatism, not passive conservatism. And what does the left want to do to Florida? They want to destroy the state. They want to implement the failed policies that are destroying states like California and Florida. So the left is never going to let a national divorce scenario play out because they hate, they hate us. They don't want us to be happy. They want us to be miserable. They want to bring down the sinking ship. They want to bring down our life rafts. So that's why it's never going to happen. But I just, again, have to laugh at the hypocrisy of these people who are so upset with the idea that conservatives wish we could live alone. And, be, and you know, what's wrong with that? We want to be left alone. You guys can live in California. You can have it. 
You can destroy the state. You can have the sunshine. You claim it's so great, even though 500,000 people have fled California, even though they lost a uh, House seat, you know, because of the last census that was conducted that showed a decrease in population in California the first time in, in I don't know, history, I think. But they won't, they won't let that. They won't let us have that. I mean, even if you live in a, in a place that was 100% conservative, 100% ideologically aligned, and there wasn't a single Democrat there, they would insist that all of those people adopted leftist policies. This is what I mean. They, they are harassers, serial harassers. Uh, they just live to create angst, division, and to make their so-called enemies, us, who just want peace, miserable. So that's, that's not going to take place. But, you know, here, here's what I wanted to say about President's Day. You know, President's Day, as it has existed for a long time, it, it, it doesn't vacillate. Every year we know exactly when President's Day is going to happen. It happens on the third Monday of each February. That's how it's been set up. And so the idea that Joe Biden planned this surprise trip to Kiev that happened to coincide with President's Day in America is a symbolic slap in the face to Americans. Now, President's Day, originally, because America used to be on the right trajectory before the federal government got involved and tried to sabotage America from within, well, you know, George Wash- it was to honor George Washington, President Washington, our first president. And he died in 1799, and his birthday was on February 22nd. And what we now call President's Day was an unofficial holiday, if you will, for uh, uh, at least 100 years in this country because people recognized the greatness that was George Washington. They recognized the greatness of the United States of America. They were grateful. They were proud. And so they, they commemorated. It was a perennial observance of the greatness that was George Washington, our first president, who set the precedent that has since been abandoned. You know, you know what's amazing about George Washington, by the way, and he is one of the greatest presidents. I mean, there's Washington, Lincoln, Reagan. There's some others in the mix, but you know, I think I think it's I think it's in that order actually. I mean, George Washington. If you think about what he did, the weight that was on his shoulders. George Washington was a reluctant president. He did not want to be president. He didn't want to run for president. He ran. Because the American people at that time basically insisted, they demanded it. And so he caved and he did it because they looked at his leadership to navigate America through these uncharted territories, which was the first years of our creation. And, you know, George Washington, I encourage everyone to study up on George Washington. And if you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, please read George Washington's farewell address to the nation. George Washington could have been a dictator. He could have been a dictator. Remember, term limits for the president, limiting it to two terms, 
That wasn't implemented until after FDR. Remember, FDR served four terms. Well, three. And then he died, you know, early on. And, um, and so George Washington, had he wanted that kind of power, could have had it. And he understood that everyone was looking at him. That the example he set was really going to set the tone for the nation. And so it was his decision to step down after two terms to demonstrate to the American people that after fighting a revolutionary war to overthrow and cut the chains that bound us to a monarchy and a despot in King George III in Great Britain, well, he understood the need and importance of sending a clear signal to the American people that I am not a dictator. I am not a dictator. Uh, The sacrifices we made were not for nothing. And there were no political parties when George Washington was elected president. And by the way, he was unanimously elected, the only president in American history to be unanimously elected president, to receive all the electoral college votes. Never happened again. Never happened since. And during George Washington's second term, political parties were starting to manifest themselves. And George Washington made it clear that he was an American president, a president to all the American people. And he insisted that Americans really cling to what they had in common, to not let their regional geographical differences um, get in the way of those things that united us. You know, our common struggles, our common desires, our common will as a nation. And so, I mean, he was actually pretty brazen in the farewell address, and and it was written back then and, and delivered. It wasn't spoken, of course. He warned and cautioned uh, America and his posterity going forward to guard themselves against the formation of political factions because they would basically usurp power. They would, they would do exactly what happens today. They would sow division in the ranks of the American people for their own political gain. It wouldn't be to the benefit of the American people. It would be to the benefit of the, of the party. And people's allegiance would no longer be to America and common American interests, but their allegiance would then go to a political party instead. And thus, the two-party system essentially was born. And so here we are. And, uh, you know, Rutherford B. Hayes, he was the president in the con- that contested election in the late 19th century, uh, 10 years after the Civil War or so. He was the one who signed you know, uh, President's Day essentially into law. And it was the first holiday ever to commemorate uh, an individual American. And then in the 1960s, basically uh, the federal government went about changing the holiday. They watered it down. They diminished its importance. They basically basically robbed it of any uh, substance. And and the reason they changed President's Day and they moved to to, to, to change it about all the presidents, not just George Washington, which, I mean, how do you do that? We're just commemorating all the presidents, not our founding uh, father, not George Washington, the first president, and what he represented. Well, the reason they did it is because they wanted to create federal holidays for workers. So they wanted more three-day holidays. So they, they made, in the 1960s, you know, they moved it to the third Monday of every, of every February so that, you know, it would be clear that, that you know, employees were going to have that long weekend. And so, you know, and that's really when the downward trajectory of America began. The 1960s with Lyndon B. Johnson and all of his welfare uh, state creation. That was when he, he changed the precedent and expectation uh, for college. You know, back then, 
a very small minority of individuals actually had college degrees and Americans did just fine despite it. That's when he federalized everything, the public education system. And our woes truly began in the 1960s. And it coincides with what they did with this holiday too, uh, watering it down. I mean, if you think about Americans at the beginning, I mean, they didn't need a federal holiday to, to celebrate Washington. They did it on their own because they loved this country. Now we, we can't have anything without some competing holiday. You know, I mean, Juneteenth, the reason that exists, truthfully, is because the Democrats want to create division. They want to create a distraction from July 4th. July 4th, of course, is Independence Day, a moment for all Americans to celebrate together. And by putting Juneteenth on the holiday list, well, it's meant to say, well, black people have their own Independence Day and you oppressive whites can celebrate Independence Day. That's what they're doing. That's the truth of it. And so, you know, so my point is, here you have President's Day, a day to celebrate American presidents and George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, great individuals who came at important moments in our history. I mean, imagine what this nation would look like without George Washington's leadership and without Abraham Lincoln's leadership. I mean, those were crossroads in American history. George Washington, you know, basically taking the baton for the first time and passing it down. And Abraham Lincoln saving us, saving this country from the abyss, the abyss. And of course, the Confederacy, uh, you know, was the one that seceded. And, and I will say this, you know, for little Drew University here today with this history lesson that I didn't intend to get into, but here I am. I can't help myself. I just can't help myself. Um, you know, much of the reason that, that President Lincoln um, went to war to begin with, with the Confederate States, is because he didn't believe they had the right to secede. He didn't believe they had the right to secede, that, you know, <clears throat> that, that, that wasn't constitutional. They couldn't do it. And so he, he wanted to preserve and hold the Union together. You know, that's why he said we'll become all, thi- all one thing or another, all slave or all free. And fortunately, uh, we won. He won. But, um, and so, you know, it's true that the, 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 the secession argument, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not likely to happen. But, but, what, but what's interesting is if you read the Declaration of Independence, right, what nobody wants to talk about, the dirty little secret, is that the Declaration of Independence, combined with, of course, the Second Amendment, is really the nuclear option that was presented to us. It was, it was not condemned. It was actually condoned and put there for a reason by the Founding Fathers. And the Declaration of Independence gives the American citizen the right to change their government should it become oppressive, should it become abusive, should it become and devolve into a tyranny. So nobody likes to talk about that, but that's there. It's true. Glaring uh, our, our captors in the face. So anyway, so, so you know, Joe Biden, he, he goes over there. I mean, this guy on President's Day, he could have been anywhere. He could have been anywhere. He could have gone over there at some other point. Shouldn't have done it to begin with, but he could have gone over there at some other point. He could have been in Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio. 
could have been in East Palestine, Ohio. He could have visited and surprised American troops. Wouldn't that have been nice to go and show your gratitude and thanks to the American troops? Now, they'd probably turn their backs on him. Those that weren't uh, woke yet. But he could have done any number of things. With Americans. Yeah, Captain's telling me he's got the latest video from Ohio. Go ahead and pull it up. I'll talk over it. But you can see here, I mean, this is, uh, it's pretty shocking. I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I don't want to descend into hyperbole, but you look at this thing and it reminds me of, of Chernobyl. I mean, the, the, just, just the, obviously it's not nuclear, but just the magnitude, the size of this fire, the plumes of smoke, the amount of water being poured on this thing, you know, the blown out brick wall, the crushed cars and, and, and businesses just across the street from this place. Do you think uh, Joe Biden's going to weigh on this anytime soon? Do you think he'll interrupt his trip to uh, kiss the arses of, uh, of Zelensky to weigh in on this? You know, he's, he's supposed to give a big speech tomorrow that's going to rally Europe to war. He's going to rally Europe to war. That's what his speech is going to do. You know, I want to say something, Captain. Speaking of intel, if you you look and study and just analyze, even relatively objectively, as objectively as one can, the events and actions and behavior of this administration leading up to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and since, the actions paint one clear picture. An administration and a nation, the United States, which has done everything in its power to instigate a war rather than prevent one. And I've had people asking me, Captain, lately, if all of this China talk, the balloon, if this is the administration trying to prime us for a war with China. If they're trying to set our minds on a track to accept that as responsible and appropriate and the only option. Um, you know, I, I've got a couple of, um, of articles that I wrote last night. If you subscribe to my Substack, Drew Allen, .substack.com. You will have already read them. That is the benefit of being a subscriber. But uh, these two articles, uh, one's going to go to the American Thinker, and American Greatness has the other other article. Uh, American Greatness usually puts their stuff out, you know, in the evening. American Thinker will be out tomorrow. But actually, actually, before I get into that article, I want to I, I want to discuss this. The National Review, a buddy of mine sent this to me a couple hours before I came on to do this show. And, you know, National Review, whatever credibility that remained, and and honestly, they had no credibility left, but whatever they did, whatever smidgen they had is gone, is gone. These people are such hacks. And this is the reason, by the way, that Victor Davis Hanson, one of the greatest minds and writers of our time, truly, Truly, a brilliant mind. This is the reason he left 
National Review. Remember, he left National Review because they were a bunch of hacks. They turned it into a bunch of establishment types like Mitch McConnell and so on and so forth that represented essentially the political elite. They didn't represent, they didn't want to take care of or bring to people's attention issues that affected the middle class. They turned on Trump right away, right? They were never Trumpers. And he couldn't understand it for the life of him. They weren't interested in covering it. They were just covering for the political elite. And that's the problem. National Review purports to be a right-wing publication. It is not. National Review is a joke. So here's the headline. I I couldn't believe this, Captain, even for National Review. The headline is, Biden's secret trip to Kiev took guts. National Review. And the schmuck that wrote this, his name's Mark Antonio Wright. Mark Antonio Wright. Uh, This guy is also a hack. Now, this is somebody, I believe, who served in the Marine Corps. And something interesting's happened to me over time, Captain. Look, I, 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 I really uh, admire any American who has served in the military. It's a sacrifice that is made, and, and you deserve our respect for that. But just because you served in the military does not make you a wise person despite the stupidity that is spewed from your mouth since serving. Okay, it's like John McCain. It's like even Adam Kinzinger. He was in the National Guard. Air Force. That guy's a a traitor to this country. I'll say it. He's out there calling, you know, everyone on the right a traitor. No, he's a traitor to his country. And, you know, thank you for your service. That happened a long time ago. That's great. But that doesn't excuse you from criticism. And so I, I, I will not allow and we must not permit ourselves to allow people to use their military service as a means of deceiving us, of getting a pass. All right. So look, President Biden's secret visit to wartime Kiev is an example of America in its finest tradition, its finest tradition. President's Day, the U.S. president snubs the American people. He won't go to East Palestine. He won't address the border. It took him over two years to go and see the southern border that he destroyed, that he left wide open. The a-hole Biden acknowledges that, you know, more than 70,000 Americans are dying from fentanyl drug overdoses while trying to escape blame for being the, the person responsible for letting that fentanyl pour across the border. And he goes down there for this photo shoot at the border, finally. He goes to a detention center, which miraculously has no detained illegals. Shocking. They cleared him out of there for the photo op. And so he goes, so this is brave. I mean, every single American politician, it seems like, of any kind of position of power, and even those without power, has been dying to get over to Kiev and get a photo op with Zelensky. So Joe Biden finally joins the club and goes over there and has a secret meeting with Zelensky. Now, is this supposed to de-escalate tensions between the U.S. and Russia and Ukraine and China? No, this escalates it. This escalates it. And I will remind you that we know, as a matter of fact, that early on in this war, early on in this so-called war between Russia and Ukraine, Zelensky was prepared and willing to meet with Putin and his people to at least have discussions about reaching peace negotiations. 
And what did the Biden administration do when they learned of this? They intervened and convinced Zelensky to back out, convinced him not to seek peace, but instead to put his foot down, double down. Hey, we're going to send you F-15s, F-16s, anything you want so that you can continue your war against Russia. And this Zelensky guy is the most, well, second to Joe Biden, perhaps, is one of the most irresponsible, dangerous leaders I have ever seen in modern history, world history. He's out there saying, while Biden's there, that if China offers its support to Russia in any kind of uh, military way, basically, if China does to Russia what the U.S. has been doing to Ukraine in supporting their cause, well, he says World War III is inevitable. So who exactly is it that is trying to make World War III happen? It's Zelensky. It's Biden. It's apparently NATO, which Ukraine's not even a member. I, I just... I, I, don't, I mean, anyway, I just... So this, this schmuck, you know, Mark Antonio Wright, thinks this is just heroic. Heroic. On President's Day. On President's Day. He's marking the one-year anniversary of the Russia-Ukraine war. Not the America-Russian war, but the foreign Russia-Ukraine war. He's taking time to go over there and meet with Zelensky. And send a signal. I mean, you know, how far have we come from sanctions? All these tranches of sanctions that they promised. The sanctions were going to get it done. And they were so, they were, it was such a virtue signaling lie. And I said it all along, just like when Biden, when Obama did it, virtue signaling sanctions that had no impact whatsoever. And look, the same people who told us these sanctions were really socking it to the Russians are the same people that told us that Ukraine was kicking Russia's butt. The same claims that were proven to be lies all along. We're going to take your yachts. That's going to show you Russians. That's going to show you. So I'm, I, 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 am, uh, I am sick to my stomach over this today. I really am. I really am by what's going on. I just... <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that people in East Palestine and in the rest of the country, the people in the border, those who've lost loved ones to fentanyl overdoses, to crime. I mean, you know... This is the thing about these schmucks and these frauds. Whenever there is some kind of tragedy that the president of the United States or the Democrats believe that they can exploit for their political agenda, well, they will go there in a moment's notice. If there's a mass shooting, you better believe Joe Biden's addressing it. You better believe Joe Biden is going to visit with the families. He's going to invite them to the State of the Union. But if they can't exploit it, they're MIA. This is the sad state of America today. We have no presidents. On President's Day, we learned definitively that America does not have a president. Joe Biden may be president of Ukraine. He may be president of illegal aliens, but he is not president to the American citizen. Now, I I do want to tell you, one of these articles I wrote, here's your exclusive look before it comes out. I I want to explain to you one of the reasons that um, this administration 
is intent upon supporting a war between Russia and Ukraine. Because, look, there are multiple reasons for this. And the speculation, right, there's a lot of speculation. They have um, uh, chemical labs, right, that we want to cover up that are U.S. owned. So, so it's a cover-up operation. You've got money laundering, right? You've got the corruption in terms of, you know, Joe Biden and other people that are corrupt uh, using this as a money laundering scheme. Uh, you've got even instigating World War III. And all of those may very well be true. It doesn't have to be an either-or situation. But I want to tell you definitively from my lips, based on my study, the intel, I'm going to use that a lot now, Captain, by my uh, consumption of the intel here and studying this since this invasion first begun, what's, what's, what's happening? The, the Biden administration and the globalists, they are using the Russia-Ukraine war to accelerate and force and justify certainly America's transition away from fossil fuels to their so-called green energy. I can say that with 100% certainty that they're using this for that purpose to achieve that goal. And I will back it up with the receipts, right? I've always got to have the receipts. I'm not some leftist just ranting wildly about, uh, you know, mythology out there like you can choose your own gender. Uh, No, I've got the receipts. So if you'll remember, you know, Russia invaded Ukraine on February 24th, 2022. And before that happened, Biden told us it was going to happen. <clears throat> he didn't say he was going to try and prevent it. He didn't say that, that he was going to deter it. He didn't say there was any hope of preventing it. He told us, hey, I'm telling you right now, tr- Russia's going to invade Ukraine. I mean, he's been very prophetic. It seems like everything this administration says is going to happen that's deleterious to the Americans. Well, it does end up happening. So right after they invaded, Biden invoked the Defense Production Act to accelerate domestic manufacturing of clean energy. Now, you might be scratching your head asking yourselves, now, what does investing in solar panels in America have to do with beating the Russians? And you'd be very wise to ask that question. And the answer, of course, is nothing. Nothing. Manufacturing solar panels in the United States and shutting down our energy independence and raising the prices of gas here intentionally does not do anything to combat the Russians and help Ukraine. So I, I want to read you. This is, this is straight from the Department of Energy. They boasted on June 6, 2022, right? The summer of last year, in the midst of this war, you know, halfway through it or whatever. Department of Energy. They said, Biden's Defense Production Act invocation will boost American production of the critical technologies necessary to lower energy costs, support the clean energy economy, and strengthen national security. So now they're tying our national security to our adoption of the Green New Deal. Make that make sense. When Trump left office, this is worth pointing out a thousand times, the average for a gallon of regular gas was $2.39. Okay? Now, prior to 2022, Joe Biden, right? The highest average ever recorded for a gallon of regular gas had been $4.11 a gallon. That was in 2008. 
By March of 2022, the average price per gallon soared to a record high of $4.33. Now, it went above $5, and it's still high, and it's going up. But there you go. There you go. So here's what U.S. Secretary of Energy uh, Jennifer Granholm said. She said, President Biden has invoked the Defense Production Act so that the U.S. can take ownership of its clean energy independence. And I would point this out, too, if you're looking for intel. Not only did Biden attack American energy independence on his first day in the Oval Office. Remember, he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. He, he signaled to uh, oil production in America that we're going to shut you down in 10 years. He did everything he could, both uh, through executive orders and just mentally intellectually, to deter gas production here. And the U.S. imported 245 million barrels of Russian crude oil and petroleum products in 2021 under the Biden administration. Okay, so even as Joe Biden intentionally sabotaged domestic oil production, right, he increased American reliance upon Russian oil by 24%. Now, why would you increase dependence on Russian oil while you sabotage American oil production? And then you go to war with Russia. You destroy the pipeline, by the way, which they're, they're denying they did. They connected, you know, Europe to Russia for oil. So they intentionally, intentionally created a situation and created chaos and created news stories, even globally, that suggested that we could no longer afford fossil fuels. So they they tried to make it so painful, and they tried to blame Russia. Remember, Russia was the convenient scapegoat for all this. They blamed Russia for the oil oil prices, not Biden's actions. And so... They created a problem so they could, th- could then present a solution, which was we have to abandon fossil fuels. So that is one. Th- one re- I mean, I'm telling you right now, they used the Defen- Defense Production Act to provide money and funding for solar panels and green energy. What does that have to do with Russia, Ukraine? Nothing. They used it as a disguise to achieve their stupid agenda, which is going to impoverish this country. That's the, that's the net result of of relying on these so-called clean energy, green energy sources, which are not clean at all. They use raw materials just like anything else, and those are limited. And they're pollutants and so on and so forth. But that's how you destroy a nation's economy. All right. Now I want to say something else, because I have a lot to say today, I suppose. Oh, man, I carumba, Captain. I'm looking at this list. (laughs) Got a lot to get into. Stick with me. So another article I've got coming out is about the EPA. Now, I'll just go through this one quickly. The EPA, of course, is telling um, the people of East Palestine, Ohio, that the water and air is clean. No problem. They've tested it. They're, they're government scientists. have checked it all, and it's good. Now, when have government scientists ever lied? I mean, they, did, they certainly didn't lie. The CDC didn't lie to us, right, about COVID. Cloth masks work, and then they, 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 they demand them and mandate them for indoor usage. And then, and then finally, when it's all over, they say, actually, you know, um, 
They don't do anything. The same thing with natural immunity. They tell us, hey, you know, natural immunity, even though scientifically it's been proven to be very uh, important and powerful at preventing infection for all of history. Well, now we're telling you natural immunity uh, doesn't work for COVID. And now, of course, they're admitting that natural immunity is actually better than the vaccine. So here's my point. The EPA has no credibility. The idea that the EPA expects the people of East Palestine, Ohio, to just buy their 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 word, take their word for it that the air and water is clean, despite their own experiences telling them that's not true. They, they don't have a leg to stand on. Michael Regan is insisting, he's the EPA administrator, that air and water in East Palestine is safe. Uh, and my question I pose is, should anyone believe him? Now, in 2016, another EPA director, who was the EPA administrator during 9-11, those terror attacks, well, her name is Christine Todd Whitman. And in 2016, um, she came out and said this. Are you ready? I'm very sorry that people are sick. I am very sorry that people are dying. And if the EPA and I in any way contributed to that, I'm sorry. We did the very best we could at the time with the knowledge we had. What is she talking about? Well, Christine Todd Whitman, at the time of 9-11, those attacks, well, she went to the media and she said this. I am glad to reassure the people of New York that their air is safe to breathe and their water is safe to drink. Oopsies. Oopsies. People developed all kinds of respiratory illnesses, cancers. People have died because of the air quality in New York, New York City that they breathed in after 9-11. And this liar and fraud told the New Yorkers that the EPA and their government scientists tested the air and the air was safe. She lied. People died because of that lie. But it took her 15 years. And 15 years later, Whit don't worry, Whitman says, hey, all of you New Yorkers and people in Manhattan that died or lost loved ones because of the air quality, cancer, all these things that they developed. Well, I know that we I know that I personally told you that the, that everything was safe. Uh, but now I'm telling you I was wrong. Uh, somehow our air measure. And this is my question. How could their air quality measurements be so wrong? Have they adopted new technology that's somehow going to give them an accurate reading now in East Palestine, Ohio? Is Michael Regan going to say 15 years from now? Oops. You know, we did everything we could with the information we had. The government scientists just told us the air was clean and the water was good to drink. And well, we were, oops, we were wrong. We know a lot of you have died. We're sorry. Move along. Don't ask us any questions. So I, I just, I don't, I don't trust the EPA at all. <clears throat> all these organizations have betrayed the American people. They lied after 9-11 and got that wrong. The same EPA is there in East Palestine. Oh, you know, it's amazing. FEMA has reversed course, by the way. FEMA is now sending people to East Palestine, Ohio. I reported last episode that um, they turned down Governor DeWine because they said that, you know, uh, this these toxins being released in the air didn't qualify as a traditional emergency, even though they provided relief and money to people who lost loved ones for their funeral expenses with uh, COVID, also a non-traditional emergency. But why, so why do you think that they changed course? What, what could, did, did they have a, did they have a change of heart out of, out of the goodness? Did they realize they were, they were wrong to do that? Did, did they read my article about how they treated COVID differently? No, 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 they didn't do any of that. A real president, Trump, 
announced that he would be doing the work this president refuses to do. He announced he would be visiting East Palestine, and it's going to happen on Wednesday. And he's going to go and talk to the forgotten Americans there that this, this administration has spat on and minimized their suffering. And so as soon as they found out that, well, they've got to try and uh, outsmart Trump. They can't be made to look like fools. They can't be exposed. And a lot of people are trying to blame this event on Trump, by the way. Can you believe this? Joe Biden's been president since January 20th, 2021. He's been in the Oval Office since then. Over two years now. And they're blaming this on Trump. And now, look, I'm a fair guy, so I'll tell you what it's about. Under the Obama administration, they basically passed sweeping regulations that were going to create, put a burden on these railway companies, that were going to make them fix these um, pneumatic brake systems on uh, many of their trains that carried you know, certain things like apparently this vinyl chloride. And, and people said, look, I mean, we can't, it's going to cost us billions of dollars. We're already struggling. Uh, we can't afford it. So they extended it. They extended it, actually. The, the Obama administration actually extend, it gave them more time. And then Trump came in and he looked at these regulations and, um, and he did away with some of them. So, you know, basically, in, in essence, he did what Obama did. He said, hey, look, I mean, I'm not going to force you guys uh, to put these pneumatic brake systems on or whatever else. And so the left, who is uh, thoroughly dishonest, well, they're blaming that, uh, this wreck, on the fact that, that Trump didn't force them to put these new brake systems, install these new brake systems. Two problems with this. They don't even know for sure that the brake system would have even prevented this. So, I mean, they're just speculating and trying to find anything they can hang their hat on to try and get Trump again. The secondary thing is Biden could have come in on day one. I mean, he undid every other Trump policy that came before. And you mean to tell me that somehow Biden, I mean, look, this administration claims that they could identify spy balloons like they had a time machine that flew across the United States of America under the Trump administration years ago. Now they've somehow discovered these balloons in their time machine. So they're so with it and so on to solving and fixing all of the problems that Trump ignored. So they can do that. But when it comes to the braking system, I, they couldn't undo this. They couldn't implement that. They had over two years to do it. So go F yourselves, all of you on the left, every single one of you, This isn't Trump's fault. All right, cue up. Uh, let's have some fun for a second. You know, I, I don't know. Let's see what we can get through in the remaining time, Captain, huh? Um, play, play cut. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. My list of cuts. All right. I, okay, let's do this. I'll, cut one. So cue up cut one. So James O'Keefe just came out. You know, he was, he was uh, ousted from Project Veritas, which is the organization that he actually founded. He brought in a bunch of investors aboard, and they um, sabotaged him. They sabotaged him. Now, they lied. I mean, just like the uh, CNN, by the way, they're over there saying that, you know, Don Lemon's on a vacation. <laughs> Don Lemon took a vacation Friday, and they gave him another vacation on Monday. I mean, they're going to oust him. They're going to get rid of him. They've been looking for an excuse to fire Lemon for a long time. Lemon. Uh, we'll get into that hopefully too, but, but anyway, so, you know, Veritas gives this same crap, you know, well, you know, James O'Keefe just worked so hard. We've, we've, we've forced him to take a vacation. Nobody bought that crap. And, and here's why I bring up the Veritas thing. Not just because I have James O'Keefe's back and I admire him and respect him and want to offer him all the support, even financially that I can in the future. But there is a, a, a an analogous situation happening here. Um, you'll hear him say, 
uh, I think in this clip. There's other clips too that I'm not going to play, but you know, Project Veritas could only have been destroyed from within. It was a very successful organization. It was doing God's work, what journalists uh, refused to do. And in the same way that Project Veritas sabotaged itself and committed suicide by getting rid of James O'Keefe, well, the same thing has happened to America. We also can't be defeated from outside. We can only be defeated from within. And this administration and the Democratic Party in particular are putting America on a suicide path and they're destroying us from within. And so you have this comparison here between Project Veritas and America, which I think is pretty an astute observation, if I can pat myself on the back, uh, because it's exactly what's happening here. So go ahead and play cut one. I want you to hear what O'Keefe says about what really happened to him. Go ahead, Captain. There were tactical disagreements about the boldness of approaches soliciting donations. I was told, and I'm paraphrasing, by asking for X dollars right now, you will prevent 10X dollars down the road. That advice ran contrary to everything I knew to be true in my 13 years of fundraising. Um, But that conflict was even more fundamental and essentially boiled down to this. And my vision, I'm going to paraphrase Howard Rourke, the architect, quote, I don't have, I don't build in order to have donors. I have donors in order to build. That's what I believed. And I felt like we had a conflict of visions. We measure our success in terms of what we produce, not just in terms of our wallets. That was a pretty fundamental conflict, I felt. The day prior, I had informed him in front of his colleagues that he, if he wasn't willing to follow my lead, he'd be shown the door. I tried to deal with it privately, but I was unsuccessful, and the disagreement boiled over publicly in a staff meeting. The next day, this individual refused to resign, so I fired him. Later that same day, that's Feb- Thursday, February 2nd, a few days after the 50 million views Pfizer videos, I was informed by a different officer of Project Veritas that he would go to the board in a few hours from that moment and have an emergency vote to restructure this company, receiving an agenda in my email while I was sitting on an airplane tarmac with the doors closing. The the meeting was scheduled for the moment that my plane landed in Nashville. It became clear to me in that moment I would be removed from my position at Project Veritas by the time I landed at my destination. So, our mission continues on. I'm not done. The mission will perhaps take on a new name, and it may be no longer called Veritas, Project Veritas. I'll need a bunch of people around me, and I'll make sure, I'll make sure you know how to find me. So with that, I'm going to collect my things. I'm going to load them into my car. And I hope to see some of you soon. Now, I just want to say something about about James O'Keefe. There. That, that, that's a very um, remarkable human being. And, and, and this is what I mean. You know, James O'Keefe has something similar that few Americans have, uh, to be honest. I don't even know if I have it. <clears throat> but he has a certain Trump quality about him. And what I mean by that is he's kind of a perpetual optimist. If you look at what Trump went through and endured while he was president, he continued to fight. Um, These people are human beings. Sometimes we look at them as superheroes, like they don't have emotions and feelings, but they're just like the rest of us, except they're stronger. And, you know, James O'Keefe is not giving up. 
Um, I thought that that was quite an eloquent response. It was very professional given what they just did to him, sabotaging him at his own company. Uh, there is no Project Veritas without James O'Keefe. It's just simply not possible. Uh, he's the face of the organization. He's the brain behind the organization. And he's the one who has the ideas and the guts to actually go after these real stories. And what happened at Project Veritas is these left-wing plants that came in there, um, well, they did a national review. They did a national review, a hostile takeover in which they want to serve the political elite, not the American people. That's the real disagreement between James O'Keefe, the founder, and his, uh, well, some of these supposed donors and certainly people on the board. Um, you know, he is uh, too much on target for them. They're not game for that kind of thing. They don't want to cover the real issues. They just want to, they want to take donors' money by going after stories that don't really matter and aren't consequential, whereas James O'Keefe is fearless, and he wants to go after the biggest people possible. And it is no coincidence that he was axed, and this coup attempt took place after the Pfizer video was released. That is not a coincidence. That's exactly what went on. He went after a target that was too big, too big to attack, and this is the result. The message here is the same that's supposed to be sent to the American people when they attack Trump. You will not prevail. You will be defeated. Resistance is futile. We will come for you and we will destroy you. And the fact that they just managed to assemble and effect and enact this coup is pretty remarkable. And they want you to understand that there's nowhere you can hide. But James O'Keefe isn't going anywhere and uh, we'll keep you updated. We'll continue to support him. All right. Now, cue up, cue up cut three, actually. I want you to hear Bernie Sanders. I want you to hear Bernie Sanders. These are the frauds that are the leftists that preach uh, poverty on the American people. They want to, in the name of equity and all these things, wealth redistribution, attack the rich. They're all rich themselves, and they've gotten rich not because of any brains or any kind of work ethic or any kind of, uh, you know, instinct or skills. They've gotten rich off the American taxpayer and corruption. So Bernie Sanders, the socket to the rich guy who's got three homes, who's worth, who's a millionaire, who's never had a real job in his entire life. Well, I want you to hear him when he's addressed shockingly on CBS by Margaret Brennan. She's going to ask him questions because he's doing a fundraiser and he's charging something like $95 a ticket. Interesting, huh? Mr. Bernie Sanders, the socialist Marxist who wants us all, all to have things for free. Well, he's charging ticket prices. Go ahead and play, uh. Uh, cut three, Captain Go. But I have to ask you, you're going on tour to promote this book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. And you're here talking about it. I understand we're not the bad guys you're, you're describing in the book when it comes to media. But tickets for your tour apparently are selling for $95 on Ticketmaster, which is con accused of anti-competitive behavior. You know that. Some of your Democrats are criticizing them. Aren't you benefiting yourself no, from this system I, that you're all, trying to dismantle? First of all, those decisions are made totally by the publisher and the bookseller. I think there's one case where in one place here in Washington, po uh, politics and pros and independent books are charging some tickets. Most of them, I think, are $40, $50, and you get a book as well. So if you want to come, you're going to have to pay 40 bucks. I'll throw in the book for free. And we're doing a number of free uh, events, but I don't make a nickel out of these things. At all. But you're OK doing business with Ticketmaster? No, not particularly. But that's, again, I have nothing to do with that. That is, if you wrote a book, probably be the same process. Mm -hmm. So you have to operate within the system. I do. Is what I write a book, a major publisher, et cetera, et cetera. 
Wow. So there's a guy, right? He has to work within the system. Mr. Tough Guy himself who wants to dismantle the system. Well, he can't dismantle the system put in place by his publisher. Now, let me tell you how this works because I'm writing a book right now. And I happen to do PR, of course, for people like Peter Navarro and Naomi Wolf and, uh, you know, Dr. Ben Carson. I've done a lot of I've done a lot of books. Let me put it that way. So I actually am an expert and authority in this matter because I work directly with publishers and know how these deals get done, including my own I'm working on right now. Now, he doesn't have to go through a publisher for his book. He could self-publish this book. He could write the little crappy manuscript, you know, his little Karl Marx, uh, you know, Alinsky book of of stupidity. Um, And he could just put it out on Amazon himself. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that because he wants to make a profit. Because this publisher, I don't know who it is, they paid him money up front. And Bernie Sanders is not a nobody. I mean, he's a zero, but he's not a nobody. And so I don't know, but I can guarantee you he made something in the six figures as a guarantee. So Mr. Bernie Sanders, the socialist Marxist, got six figures to write this book, okay? And now he's going to go out, and his job is to sell books because the publisher makes money off of selling books. And he's going to get a percentage of those books' sales. So for him to sit there and lie through his teeth and blame the publisher and claim that he's not going to get a penny out of this is a bunch of BS. Because he's went through a publisher and the publisher pays him based on his book sales. So he's trying to sell books and he's trying to lie to you and make you think that this is all the publisher. He's not greedy. These people are so disingenuous, such frauds. I just cannot believe it, that anyone would listen to somebody like Bernie Sanders and support him. You need to get your brain checked, just like Joe Biden needs to get his brain checked. Okay? Captain, do we have time to do one more clip? Okay. Now, you know Don Lamont got in trouble for saying something that really I don't care about. It It was a stupid comment you know, about Nikki Haley not being in her prime. I mean, it it was literally dumb. But, you know... He's trying to be funny, but these guys aren't funny. And I'll say something very controversial. He said that because he's a gay guy. He said that because he's a gay dude. Gay dudes in that particular category, all right? You know, that's the kind of crap that they say and think they can get away with because, you know, they're like with the women. Nikki Haley's not in her prime. You know, prime is like you got to be in your third. And this guy's like 57 years old or something like that. You know who's not in their prime? Don Lamont who got axed from a a nightly show. And let me explain this too about the news. It's a demotion when you do a morning show, okay? It's a promotion when you get a primetime slot. Don Lamont, uh, to my knowledge, he does not fill a primetime slot. He has a morning show that now he's going to get fired from. So anyway, I want you to hear though Don Lamont, when he was less of a hack, back when he was probably still had some value to the company, I want you to hear him. It's cut, uh, cut two. This is Don Lamont, okay? Uh, you, you, it's like two different people. You will not believe what's happened to the country in just 10 years. Don Lamont, I want to hear you hear his solutions uh, to fixing the black community in 2013. Go ahead and play, play that cut, Captain. Go. Because black people, if you really want to fix the problem, here's just five things that you should think about doing. Here's number five. And if, if, if this doesn't apply to you, if you're not doing this, then it doesn't apply to you. I'm not talking about you. Here's number five. Pull up your pants. Walking around with your ass and your underwear showing is not okay. In fact, it comes from prison when they take away belts from the prisoner so that they can't make a weapon. 
and then it evolved into which role a prisoner would have during male-on-male prison sex. The one with the really low pants is a submissive one. You get my point? Number four now is the N-word. By promoting the use of that word when it's not germane to the conversation, have you ever considered that you may just be perpetuating the stereotype the master intended, acting like a nigger? Now number three, respect where you live. Start small by not dropping trash, littering in your own communities. I've lived in several predominantly white neighborhoods in my life. I rarely, if ever, witness people littering. I live in Harlem now. It's an historically black neighborhood. Every single day I see adults and children dropping their trash on the ground when a garbage can is just feet away. Just being honest here. Number two, finish school. You want to break the cycle of poverty? Stop telling kids they're acting white because they go to school or they speak proper English. A high school dropout makes on average $19,000 a year. A high, a high school graduate makes $28,000 a year. A college graduate makes $51,000 a year. Over the course of a career, a college grad will make nearly a million dollars more than a high school graduate. That's a lot of money. And number one, and probably the most important, just because you can have a baby, it doesn't mean you should, especially without planning for one or getting married first. More than 72% of children in the African-American community are born out of wedlock. That means absent fathers. And the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison. And the cycle continues. What Don Lamont could have been. What a squandered talent. I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this right now. That was a man um, that had promise, who could have made a difference in this country for the better. And that was just 10 years ago. And in 10 years ago, can you imagine Don Lamont or any other leftist on the cable news networks offering that advice to the black community? You can't. You can't. And, you know, he's just become a total hack. And that's what you have to do, you know, to survive these networks and to appease the base. And it's really sad because, man, I, I, I liked Don. I liked Don in those clips. I really did. And everything he said was true. And um, it hasn't gotten any better since. In fact, it's getting worse. Um, just to leave you with some good news, like I always like to do, um, just so you know, uh, economists are predicting a recession. Uh, it's coming. They're certain of it. <laughs> you thought there was good news. There's no good news. Um, <laughs> oh, I can't. I, I'm going to lose my audience if I'm so demoralizing. I'm not. Come on. We're having fun at least a little bit. But anyway, uh, United States is approaching a recession. There's a bunch of key indicators. Uh, uh, so, you know, again, I just point that out because this administration tells you that, you know, the air and water is great in East Palestine. Um, you know, the economy is just doing great. We've, we've never had it better in this country and, and none of it's true. None of it's true. Um, it's just rough and, and inflation compounds, by the way, it doesn't just go away. So it continues to accumulate. All right, folks, this is Drew Allen. Uh, Captain and I will, will convene and figure out when we're back on. Um, but anyway, I, I just, thanks for tuning in as usual. God bless you all. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great 
young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Allen. I look to this guy for wisdom.